Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker joining me today as we dive in to the biggest off-season moves ranked 1 to 10, 10 to 1 uh, for the 2023 NHL offseason on the cusp of what is certain to be a, uh, boy, at least a top 10 move, uh, hopefully, on on both of our lists. I'm sure it will appear as uh, Eric Carlson has been dealt to the Pittsburgh Penguins, which we'll just dive into when it comes to our list. How about that? Is that are you good with that? Uh, that that is fair to me. And to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, how dare you presume to think that Eric Carlson made my top ten list? I mean, listen, just because he's a hundred point defenseman, Norris Trophy winner, and he gets traded, does not mean that Hall that's of, impactful. Hall of Famer, at, at one of all. the greatest players of all time. Right. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Just not uh, impactful in the least. You know what they say when you assume. Right. So, I, uh, you know, I have made a living out of uh, making an ass out of you and me. So it's okay. Uh, Ah, but I'm made a living like I've made a living. (laughs) Like we've made a living doing this. (laughs) That'd be that'd be nice, but. Yeah, if you want to send day. if you want to send some tips over to our PayPal, no, we don't do that. <laughs> Let's get a Patreon page going, huh? There we go, that? a Patreon. Yeah, I feel like we need to. Uh, yeah, we'll need to. We, you know, we can actually do something like that with our our podcast hosting thing. So we can. my mother would be the only one to contribute, <laughs> which which is fine. It's it would be her way of uh, you know being able to slide your money without you know having to say it. It doesn't have Basically, to. It doesn't feel as bad. If, I would guilt her into doing it. To be quite so, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I was, um, when I was maybe I think it was sixteen or seventeen, um, that's when I put, first put forth my desire to be like, hey, I'd like to to try my luck at hockey. Like, I, I I've always done baseball. I was pretty athletic, and I did soccer in high school. And I thought, you know what, I I, I want to handle this hockey. I love the sport. I want to finally play it. Right. And so my sisters have done, you know, 4-H horse stuff and they did uh, okay. you yep. know, ballet dance, you know, you name it. And so I was like, I, I, I want to ask for something. And of course, my mother, I was just went to my mom and I said, hey, can I play hockey? She's like, have another dream. Like, no, too expensive. Have another dream. This one's not going to work out for you. And just squashed it. And so I bet you if I threw that in her face, she feels guilty already about basically <laughs> what she thinks of. She thinks she just ignored me as a child, so yeah. <laughs> Do you totally feel that way? Do you feel like she ignored you as a child? Not at all. No. Okay. All right. So you, so her, uh, yeah. So you could just take advantage of her guilt without like really feeling that bad. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. All right. Um, well, with that, with that all, you know, out of the way, uh, we're gonna rank these these top ten moves. Um, as far as these moves are, did you uh, did did the fact that somebody was traded weigh have more heavily than uh, maybe an, like a, a UFA signing? Did any of that uh, no, play a factor? No, not necessarily. No, I, I think it just really to me. It, I looked at the player, what what they could bring to the table, and how that how much that was really needed by that particular team that acquired them. Right. So, for example, if there was a team for you know, for example, like Boston right now, right. They're clearly in need of a, a top six centerman. Um, not to say that I don't think, you know, Pavel Zaka could, you know, fit the bill, but, um, you know, should they go out and acquire on right? That would be super impactful because they definitely need that position. It's a position of need after, you know, you know, Bergeron and Krejci's, you know, retirings, um, you know, whereas maybe like, you know, getting a, a position where they really don't need, say they get, you know, a top six winger. Yes, they've got some some good wingers between, you know, Marchand, Pasta to to, to brusque, um, but it wouldn't have as big of an impact as a top six center would. So I kind of try to take that in terms of you know finalizing my rankings. I guess if that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's fair. Um, I kind of did something where I kind of lumped a few of them together, uh, where you know maybe a, a particular team made a couple signings and separately they don't make as big of a I guess is, is an impact or um, it doesn't really paint the full picture without you know maybe the the other deal so I have a few that are you know, lumped together because of that so uh, 
I'm not necessarily all of mine aren't just one guy, but gotcha. the, the sum of the the parts kind of played a factor in my in my rankings there. So, um, all right. Well, did you have any just miss? I did have one. Yes. Okay. Let's let's hear it. It is Jonathan Duran uh, in the Colorado. Okay. Avalanche. All right. Yep. I yeah. know, I mean, you were big on that when it happened. I was, yeah, absolutely, and I'm I'm still rather big on it. He made my top ten, you know, breakout candidates, and um, reason being, I mean, I think it's, you know, it, it could be impactful for the Colorado Avalanche mainly because of Landeskog, you know, missing the entire season. So uh, they definitely need a depth on the wing when when you're missing a guy like that, and so somebody to help produce offensively is going to be key. All right, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have a just missed. I mean, there's, of course, there's there's plenty of smaller moves that we know at some point are probably going to, you know, some, something's going to come back and you're going to go, Oh, Oh, that ended up being a really, uh, a really productive move. Like who knows, maybe the San Jose sharks getting Mackenzie Blackwood will be fantastic. And it'll be this move where Blackwood finds his, uh, you know, kind of what he was supposed to be a few years ago. We thought maybe he would be the number one goalie in New Jersey. Maybe he goes to San Jose gets that breath of fresh air and he ends up being a, uh, a really good one B goaltender. Uh, you know, things like that could happen, but I'm not putting any money on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, well, should we get started and, and we'll go, uh, your number 10. Let's roll. All right. Where did you, uh, who do you have at number 10 here for, at for number 10, most I've impactful got, moves? Yes. I've got the signing of Dimitri Orloff in Carolina. Okay. Um, a little low on your list, I I have to say. Well, so the reason it's probably a little lower than maybe most people would, would think, right? You have the number one defensive uh, free agent this offseason essentially getting, uh, you know, getting signed to a two-year 7.75 AAV. Uh, for me, though, it's a little less impactful because of the roster of defensemen that uh, Carolina already has, right? You've got Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Brett Burns, Brett Peasy. You've got a bevy of just talented defensemen, not to mention we knew Tony D'Angelo was going to head there anyways. Um, so really, like, how much of an impact is he going to have as far as moving the needle? Maybe not as much as some of these other picks ahead of him, in my opinion, but he does make an impact, in my opinion, because, one, he's just – He's so versatile. He brings a great defensive and offensive game uh, to Carolina, which I think they, you know, there's never any shortage of that a team could use. But um, two, he he gives the the Carolina Hurricanes a little bit of flexibility when it comes to some of their UFAs because we know Tony D'Angelo, Brett Pesci, and and Brady, you know, Shea are all on expiring deals here. So you know, one if not maybe more of those guys could be on the move come uh, you know end of the season or come trade deadline time. So. Um, at least there's a little stability with a two-year deal. You know you've got a solid top three between Slavin, Burns, and Orlov for next season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I don't think that Orlov is necessarily. Um, if that deal had been six years long, it wouldn't have been a good deal. But because it was two years, uh, it ends up being a really, I think, a really, really good deal. It gives them tons of flexibility. Um, I have them a little bit higher. I'll explain why when when we get there. But uh, I. I really like that signing for Carolina because of because of the other parts. Um, you said it may be a little less impactful because of their other defensemen. I think that it's more impactful because of the defensemen that are certainly going to be leaving in the next 18 months. So say, I guess same logic. <laughs> we <laughs> we uh, arrived at different conclusions, I suppose. You just um, valued it a little bit more. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. Uh, my number 10 was a, a uh, I guess an under the radar move a little bit uh, but after winning a Stanley Cup with the Vegas Golden Knights get Riley Smith gets dealt to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third round pick and I mean we've just seen it all of Riley Smith's career uh kind of been that guy like eh, we we could get rid of him and it would be fine and you know what Florida regretted the hell out of uh getting rid of him when he went to Vegas and I think that Vegas probably undervalued him again, and he's going to go to Pittsburgh, and he's going to get the opportunity to play with some really high-level guys. It has an even bigger impact knowing that Jake Getzel is going to miss the first twelve weeks of the season. So yeah, so uh, I, I mean, I, uh, I love the move. It's in the into the top six for for Pittsburgh. 
for a third yeah, round a little, pick. It's not bad. No, great move for a third round pick, but a little little bit of an update in case you haven't heard. Uh, Kyle Dubas came out today and said that he only expects uh, Gensel to miss the first five games. Oh, well, okay. Well, uh, hey, good. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't higher on your list. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I mean, even so, he's going to be in there, probably still be in their top six, to be honest, uh, without Getzel. And that, and let's be honest, what are the chances that Getzel, Crosby, Malkin, uh, you know, any combo, uh, Carter, all these guys, what are the chances that all of them stay healthy all year long? Nil. So even if Smith starts in the, on the you know third line, He's probably moving up at some point if if he doesn't if he doesn't start the season in the top six already. So yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think he'll he'll be a top six guy for sure. All right, um, who do you have at number nine? Okay, at number nine, I I talked about it uh, specifically with the Avalanche and, and Jonathan Drew, and I think another big position of need for them is is the center position, and so for me. Because of their their glaring hole at that second line center spot, uh, Ryan Johansson, the, the trade acquisition, uh, is going to be my number nine impactful move. Um, okay. And biggest reason for that again is because you know we saw it last year against Seattle this this past season. Um, you know their their lack of depth up front in that forward position and and how glaring it was with the injuries to Landis Gog and some other key players. And um, you know again it's. You know, you could maybe throw in Ross Colton, too, in this mix, but um, I, I see Johansson at least starting off the season um, as the second-line center for this team, and we'll see where that goes throughout the year. But, I mean, he can also play the wing, too, so maybe that gives you a little bit more flexibility. But to get a guy who, in my opinion, um, is better than he was than his 28 points last year, right? I think this is well, you know, Ryan and, and we're talking 28 points in 55 games. So, I mean, we're talking about a 40-point right. season. It, it's not like he's pitiful. Right, yeah, and, and I think with with the talent around him uh, that this this team still has, I think you know regardless, I'm not sure you know again if we see Ranton and stay on that top line, maybe he shifts down with Johansson to, to give a little flexibility there, right? In terms of what lines you're rolling out, um, he could easily be a fifty point a fifty point player this season, and so uh, that's the kind of depth that I think this this Colorado team needs if they want to you know get back to being a Stanley Cup contender. Okay, um, yeah, I I have that move at my number seven. So we're, okay. we're not far off there. Um, I included Ross Colton in that move because I think that those collective moves like Ryan Johansson on his own. I, I, I actually don't really like the move that much. I don't think he's fast enough to, uh, to, to build a line around. Uh, and that, that makes him a very dangerous player to play at center to me, especially in that division. You've got some uh, some speed going all over the place, so I I don't love Ryan Johansson, but I really like Ross Colton, and I think that Ross Colton could what you could see potentially these two guys could play together uh, because I think you could see Ross Colton taking faceoffs on his strong side and Ryan Johansson taking draws on his strong side, um, a possible you know possible thing there um, or whoever he plays with you know you're, you're talking about the strong and the somebody going strong side on uh, both center positions so there is a chance there and they do play they shoot opposite sides so uh, it would it would work uh, but that that maybe sets you up you know to win a small percentage more of the draws and I think comboing those two guys together and what they can bring to the top nine for Colorado uh, does help However, I I don't think that it makes them so much better that you know without without Landis Cog, I just don't know I don't know that this team is even capable of winning maybe more than one round. That's how much I how important I think he is to the team. Mm. Uh, but I do think that that move in particular keeps them from being in the position they were in last year, where it was like, holy crap, are they going to make the playoffs? And adding that depth allows for, you know, the injury or two that is guaranteed to happen throughout the year. Those, those guys will help to fill in the blanks, which is, which they will be serviceable enough to do so. Um, okay. Who do you have? Well, oh, my number nine. Yeah. I share my number nine. <laughs> uh, my number nine is, uh, another combo. I've got 
Vladimir, Vladimir Tarasenko and Junas Corposalo signing in Ottawa. Two huge signings that I think could very well make Ottawa a playoff team. I think they could have that big of an impact. I have them at number nine because I, I'm not. We'll we'll see what Tarasenko we get. But if you if we get the Tarasenko that I think will be seems to be hungry and like and the expecting uh, what he seems to expect out of the Senators. Add in the fact that they signed Giroux last year. I think that's a good veteran combo. Those two types of guys are very different, but so pretty, but the same. They both love to win. Uh, so I think that Ottawa's bringing in the right guys who are going to help push them over the edge. I think this could be the year that Ottawa makes the playoffs. Wow. Okay. I mean, there uh, there's definitely going to be a couple other teams in that division, I think, that are going to have something to say about that. But um, Absolutely. I will tell you what, though. They better – Ottawa had better hope that you get the Corpusala that you had in L.A. because if he comes in there and just is like he was a couple of years ago, just mediocre – um, below average, it's going to be a long contract for them. That's for sure. That is very true. Uh, okay, who do you have at number eight? At number eight, I've got Shane Gostasphere signing in Detroit. Okay, yeah, I, li- I like it. Uh, why Why that Detroit Red Wings move in particular? Yeah, so obviously, um, for me, the, the biggest you know key was the fact that really, besides Mo Sider, uh, they have nobody who, who moves the puck, nobody who produces offensively on the back end. Um, you know, we saw Philip Peronic get traded last year at the deadline to Vancouver, and that acquired them a first-round pick. And, you know, I, I think that move was necessary. I think, you know, Heronic just really didn't fit the, the style that, um, you know, Detroit wanted to play. But, um, you know, maybe, you know, again, Gossesphere doesn't bring you a defensive game that I think, um, you know, teams would certainly like to see out of him. But, it is what it is, right? He's, he's a third-line guy that's going to be a power play specialist, but he's still going to give you 40 points a season. And I think, um, you know, again, with, with Heronic's exodus, that's something Detroit's desperately going to need on the back end. And the nice thing is, is he's flexible. He can play both on the right and left side because Detroit does not have a lot of right-handed defensemen right now that are ready to go. Um, and then so not only that, but he's on a one-year deal. So if he comes in and he's, you know, at the deadline, he's got 30, 35 points, he can fetch – a nice little return for a team that really needs that offensive specialist on the back end. All right. Uh, so, yeah, my, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll jump ahead to my number eight. We'll keep moving. Uh, the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. They're going to be god awful. Do we agree on that? We agree on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to dig through what their roster looks like. Um, from a forward perspective, I guess because you know uh, my I actually have them at number eight uh, with the moves of Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno, and Corey Perry. Uh, not the dollar amounts per se, although the 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 length of the deals are, are so short it almost doesn't matter. Um, I like them because you could f- easily flip them, uh, but also I I think that it provides enough from a forward perspective. Um, you know, you've got Athens CU there too, Jason Dickinson there as well. You've got enough pieces around Connor Bedard where he doesn't have to do everything. Uh, I mean, he still will. Have, if, if they're going to be good, he'd have to be able to do everything, which he won't be able to, which is why they'll be God awful. Um, but have you had a chance to look at their defense? It's rough. Have you taken <laughs> like who on that defense? would you want <laughs> like if you're a playoff team and and even if you had to have all those contracts who on this team would you actually want to come over <laughs> in a trade from the defensive side you've got Seth Jones and Nikita Zaitsev Connor Murphy and probably Philip Roos and then some combination of Jared Tenorti, Wyatt Kaiser and Isaac Phillips all uh, on their ELC. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be pretty rough. Back yeah, for I'll, Chicago. I'll take Seth Jones, but maybe at six and a half, seven, not at nine and a half million bucks. Yeah, I mean, if that deal's ha- – but it's the problem is it's so dang long. I mean, it's not like he's going anywhere. <laughs> no, no. No one's trading for him. Is this the beginning of his seven-year deal? Uh, or uh, he signed – when he signed – 
he signed an eight year. Okay, last year was the first year of his eight year deal. So he's got seven years left on his deal. My goodness. Um, that, now you want to talk about long deals <laughs> if they don't work out. Boy, oh boy, that one's uh, not aged well thus far. Uh, but oh yeah, so Chicago, but I, I, anyways, from a forward perspective, I like what Chicago did. They, a lot of teams, they get these high end guys like, when Edmonton was drafting Connor McDavid, the Leafs with uh, with Austin Matthews, Buffalo with Jack Eichel, and they just don't have the veteran talent around them to to protect them enough. And I I really like what Chicago's doing here. I, it's not going to help them to win, but I think that it could have a really big impact on Bedard's career. So that's why it's so high on my list at number eight. So high on at number eight. <laughs> yes, I agree with you 100%. I do have that same move, but a little bit higher. So we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, who do you have at number seven? At number seven, I've got the Dallas Stars obtaining Matthew Duchesne. Okay. Did not make my list. Yeah. Uh, I. But but I, I feel you. That's, that's a great move. Yeah, great move. And I'll, I'll tell you why I really like it. And it's there's really one name that comes to mind that made me just love this move even more. And that's Mason Marshman. Um, you know, last year obviously signs that big deal with, um, with Dallas after, you know, having a great year in Florida, but you know, just didn't really pan out. Right. And so when you look up and down this lineup, when you get, you know, past that, that, that top line, right. It, it sort of thins out a little bit. And when guys like Mason Marshman aren't producing, um, it, it's hard to watch this Dallas stars team, right. They just, they look like they can struggle, um, and it clearly, you, you know, I don't know if you how much of the Seattle series you watch, but it was clear that when that top line wasn't really functioning, it was <laughs> it was tough. Right. So to me, this adds a lot of depth and flexibility so that that way, when your Tyler Sagan's, your your Jamie Benz aren't really, you know, producing, you've still got a guy, in my opinion, who who could potentially be a 30 goal scorer. I mean, this guy we, we forget, you know, Matt Duchesne is just a, a couple years removed from a 40 goal season. Uh, you know, and and over point per game. So to get a guy with that kind of production, uh, still even at a 56 point pace last year production to get that for three million, you know, for 3 million bucks is phenomenal. Um, And so again, it it adds a lot of, you know, flexibility to a team that can basically put him at center if they want to, to maybe pair him with some younger guys like Ty Delandria, Wyatt Johnson to help, you know, bring them up or they can put him on the wing with, you know, say, for example, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, let's face the facts. You know, Joe Pa, little Joe is uh, getting old. And so, you know, maybe I like they'll how be he's still little Joe. I, I know. Thirty nine right? years old. <laughs> and, and so maybe, Hall you know, you famer. might want right? <laughs> Captain America. Right. So uh, you might want to give him a couple nights off here and there. Or you might want to, you know, limit his minutes a little bit on some games. Um, so, you know, Matt Duchesne is a guy who can easily slide up on that right wing or even in that center spot and play on that top line all night long and not miss a beat. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the move, uh, from, a you know, needing that depth. I agree. Um, Matt Duchesne for, it may not be his fault, but this is just the way that, uh, the way I feel about him. He's, he just, I don't know if he's ever going to win anything. It just, he just, you know, his what's his longest playoff run was with Columbus, the year that they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in four games. Uh, he had ten points. He had a great playoff. I mean, it's not as if he's he's terrible in the playoffs. It just, I don't know. There's there's something something about his game that he puts up points, uh, but you don't look at him and go, oh, this guy's a guy who can he's going to help us win the cup. I. I know I could be wrong, and everything could come together for him in Dallas, of course. Uh, that's just kind of my feeling of him, is that he's he's chasing. And he doesn't have to be that guy. He can he can let other guys in Dallas, like, you know, Rupe Hintz and, and Jason Robertson, be the guys that win the cup for them. But he's that complimentary piece, like much like an Alex Kalorn or, you know, Andre Palat in, in Tampa, right? He's that ugly wart that you just wish you could get rid of, but. <laughs> it's there. You still manage to accomplish. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I, he's a fine player. I think that he is, has tended to be overrated with his counting stats versus the way that he actually plays uh, on the ice. I think that he tends to be a liability, uh, but at $3 million, you can put up with the liability. It's when a guy's making 
you know, seven, eight million that it, it becomes a prop. So a $3 million cap hit, uh, it's, it's pretty reasonable. Um, all right. I, uh, let's see. I already told you my number seven was Ross Colton and Ryan Johansson, the Colorado. So I'll go to my number six. And uh, my number six is a trio of signings by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, a Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, and John Klingberg. I know everybody was up in arms about the Klingberg deal, but I am not concerned about cap hit in this case. I'm just looking at the players. I think all three of those players make the Leafs deeper and better. And the fact that they you know, need that depth uh, at the forward position, they need somebody to play with Austin Matthews. Now that Michael Bunting is gone to Carolina, I I think it was incredibly important that they brought in somebody who can do that. And I think Tyler Bertuzzi might be the best third man on the uh, the Matthews line that the Leafs have had since he like was drafted by the Leafs. I agree with you. So maybe it's more the Bertuzzi is the like main thing in there, but you gotta love a guy coming back to the place where he, you know, what he where he calls home, and then at the same time uh, the defenseman who everyone's written off said his career like he's not going to be good anymore, and what better place than the Toronto Maple Leafs to come and uh, prove people wrong? You're in the limelight. Like now's the time to shine. Uh, there's been plenty of players who have been uh, in a position to go sign a, a shorter term deal with the Leafs and then it uh, it ends up blowing up because hey, it, good or bad whether you like it or not the Leafs get a ton of attention and if you play, have good a good season for the Leafs i.e. Zach Hyman, i.e. Michael Bunting, they go off and they sign big deals with other teams because they get a ton of attention and they become hot, hot commodities when you play well in Toronto so uh, that's my number six. All right. I love it. And so much love it so that it is on my list a little bit later. Okay. I felt a li- I felt like, uh, you know, if I had it too high on my list that the listeners might think, I think me biased. Ah, yes. what yes. would give them that impression? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, uh. Uh, I can't figure it out. Uh, who do you have at number six? All right. At number six, I've got uh, Tyler Tufoli getting traded to the New Jersey Devils. All right. Yep. I like that move too. I was I thought about putting it on my list, uh, but I I chose not to over uh, some well, other signings. So I can't blame you. I mean, he's not going to. Uh, to me, I I debated putting him up, you know up this high. I almost wanted to go down a little bit lower. But uh, again, I just looked at this New Jersey top six now and to me it it could be you know on paper the best top six in the nhl and and that's a scary thing to think about right i mean um you know between jack hughes and nico heischer being your your top two centers i mean what they now have on the wings you know assuming timo meyer has a bounce back year compared to what he he did in in new jersey and i think he will going through training camp and everything else um you get a 40 goal score uh, almost point per game guy out of tyler tofoli last year on a Calgary team that essentially was everybody was playing below, you know, what I think they could have produced. And yet Tyler Tufoli comes in and, you know, almost a point per game here. So now you get to put him with yeah, uh, he has, a Jack I mean, Hughes. His, he had by far the best year of his career. Like right. not even close from a goal scoring perspective. I mean, his best season prior to that was in 2021 with Montreal and when in 52 games, he scored 28 goals, but Really, outside of that year, he scored 31 other time in 15-16, and that was the year that previous was his career best in points, which just at 58, which he shattered at 73. I just wonder, can he do it again? He also did all that time on ice uh, average was 16 minutes and 36 seconds. That's right, a- which is, that's second line minutes, and that's essentially where I think he's probably going to fall in line with, with New Jersey, right? I think they like to play... Uh, a little heavier with Nico Heischer and Timo Meyer, um, But, you know, here's the thing, though. You look at, again, you're comparing the centers that now he's going to get to play with with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. I would take these guys, these two guys, over Elias Lindholm and, and Nazem Kadri any day. Now, I'll, you know, Jack Hughes is probably the main reason why, but um, still. I don't I mean, know that I, Lindholm is, uh, 
is the oh, he's slouch phenomenal. you're making him out to be. <laughs> I, I love I love Elias Lindholm. He might actually be in my probably in my top fifteen centers in the NHL. But um, again, Jack Hughes is he's a rare talent. I think Hughes is going to be a guy that you're going to easily see eclipse hundred points this season. So uh, I think Tyler Toffoli is going to reap the benefits of that. And and again, it, it, if for some reason say it's you know not working out, maybe they can't get a long term deal in place to get him signed because. Let's let's face it. Guys in contract year seem to overproduce, and for me, Tyler Toffoli got up to number six on my list because he's in a contract year, and I think you're going to see him, you know, play his balls out to get that that one that one deal he needs before you know essentially this is his last shot at a big deal. So. Sure, sure, I would agree with that. Um, the 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 downside of that deal, I guess, not that Sharon Govich is as good as Toffoli, but he's still a nice player for the Devils. Uh, had 30 points last year was a was a nice depth piece so you you do i know you're adding a guy into your top six i i know it's a good move um but there is that side of well sharon govich was i mean he slotted nicely up in the lineup when he needed to uh he's a good player so they did lose something to gain to fully um so that that sets them back i guess from a depth perspective uh, but of course your top six is even better so that it, it definitely is the better <laughs> the better of the two evils but they do lose Sharon Govich in the deal so it has a negative impact as well um, okay number five um, I'll, I'll go since uh, you know I, I I went you went last <laughs> um, and and it'll be real easy because we've already covered this one. It's Dmitry Orlov to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, the reason I have this so high, I, I, I really think in the next, maybe before the trade deadline, one of those Carolina defensemen, uh, probably Brett Pesci is traded. And, you know, we're, we're looking at all of a sudden this Orlov deal becomes a huge deal. And I think Carolina is a Stanley Cup contender. Orlov helps them. He makes them better. If they do hang on to all their defensemen, they maybe have the best defensive core in the NHL. It's pretty close. They're definitely top five. So uh, they're very scary. And uh, and I, I like the way that he plays. I think that he plays a little different than the rest of the guys on that uh, Carolina blue line. So he adds some uh, just a variation to what the rest of that team plays. And I, I, I just love the move and I love that they didn't have to sign him to a super long-term deal. Like it was where he wanted to go. So he was willing to sign a shorter deal. Like I, I think the story that I heard was his agent was like, you, you don't need to sign such a short deal. And he said, this is what I want. I want to sign a short deal. I'll just sign another deal in two years. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I like, I just love a guy like that, that, that kind of bucks the way that you're supposed to do it because he wants, he wanted, it was like Carolina wants the flexibility, but he wanted flexibility for his own career, which I think is, is a very interesting tactic to take, especially because you look at other sports and you look at how so many, especially high end players, especially like the NBA, those guys take one year deals all day long because they know the next year they'll get more money if they just wait. So it's a, a pretty interesting strategy from his point. Ballsy move, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off. That's right. Uh, who do you have at number five? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, for me at number five, I've got Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, uh, this was pretty easy for me. I, I think one it, it, it's a great trade for both teams, really. I think Velarde, um, if you look at his possession numbers, he's got tremendous numbers against elite and just superstar talent. Uh, which is impressive to say the least. So hopefully, you know, again, having to, you know, essentially they were going to lose Dubois anyways in the year. So hopefully they get a good young piece, you know, back in in Winnipeg in return for him. Uh, But again, from the LA perspective, this is just a a great move because now they have a legit top three center, um, you know, combo. And then not only that too, but long-term, right. You've got Kopitar signed for two more years, but you've got Dubois on that long-term deal. So, when Kopitar finally decides to hang it up or he starts slowing down, you've got another piece that can easily slide in and take over the the number one spot for him. And, uh, you know, and then more appropriately, I think Philip Deneau can fit in on that 
that legit third line spot where he needs to be and be that shutdown defenseman for this team and not have to real defensive center for this team and not have to really worry about, you know, producing offensively as much anymore. Yep. The Kings definitely did not get Dubois for free. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think the reason why I, I have it a little bit higher up on my list. Um, I have a I have that move at number three. Oh, okay. Uh, the reason I have it so high is because first off, I mean, I don't think there's any arguing. He is the best player involved in that deal. Uh, as as good as Gabe Velarde is, he's still a borderline top six guy on a really good team. Like it, it doesn't take away anything that that he did or that he, who he is. But I don't think that he is uh, a crazy crazy top six guy who's going to put up 60, 70 points in a year uh, the way that Dubois, I think, can. Uh, you know, Gabe, Gabe Velarde had, what, 41 points last year in 63 games. At best, he's a he maybe is a 50-point guy at his very, very best. Uh, whereas, you know, I, I just think they get the best player in this trade and the fact that the the Kings have so many players coming up through their system right now. Their cupboards are just so full that they almost needed to jettison a few forward. Like they were in a, in a great position to be able to do this and lose some high end guys to be able to bring in an even higher end guy. Uh, So I love the move. I think it's gutsy and you know, there there's other guys coming into that, uh, into that forward group. Especially like an you know maybe an Alex Turcott or you've got uh, oh my goodness Quentin Byfield who's hopefully gonna kind of break out this year uh, Arthur Kaliev you know there's there's a lot of names for the L.A. Kings for of players who could maybe take that next step so I think they're they're betting on the prospects that they have to kind of fill in their depth that they do lose in this deal but that I mean. Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to, I think, be a, be a king. Like, there's guys who come and go for the LA Kings, and then there's certain players who just represent the team so well, they they kind of seem to fit the mold of an LA King, and I think that he's one of those guys. Um, Okay, so that was your number five. Who do you have at number four? At number four, I've got Taylor Hall. Okay, all right, you got him all the way up there, eh? Yeah, and, and the big reason why is because I think um, there's something to be said in the value of having good players around rookies, right? Um, so for me, I, I started going through some examples of some previous Calder finalists and, and really who they were playing with, and, and I went all the way back and I, I looked at, um, you know, 2007-08, when I looked at David Perron, he was, you know, supposed to be one of the top rookies that year. He started off really, really good, but he played a majority of his time uh, that season with, um, gosh, what was his name? Let me pull it up here. Uh, You know, with Brad Boys and Andy McDonald. Um, So, you know, he only produces, you know, 20-ish points. And then his sophomore year, he comes in and he gets to play with TJ TJ Oshie, sorry, and Patrick Berglund, and all of a sudden has just, you know, more than doubles that production. Uh, has a phenomenal sophomore season. And so really, you know, these younger guys, obviously you, it's hard to compare, you know, Bedard to Baron. You know, they're two different types of players, obviously. You know, Bedard is this generational talent, and, um, you know, those expectations weren't there for David Baron. But, again, you know, if you have guys around you that can support you and carry the load a little bit when you're still trying to figure it out in this league, because let's face it, you can still be a generational talent, but – you're, you're not going to get it right off the gate, right? I mean, it's a different era than it was when Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin came into the league, right? I mean, Sidney Crosby was lucky enough to start his rookie year playing on the wing of Mario Lemieux. So, yeah, not, and, so, not so bad. Right. <laughs> well, so, that, I mean, that year also was a uh, – that was just a full-on – everyone had the same odds for the top pick. Right. Although Pittsburgh had been kind of they, – no, they had been okay. They were okay, yeah, right? Were okay. But still – Having those those really good players uh, to play with is only going to help accelerate, I think, Bedard's career and yeah. his status as a superstar. So, uh, just getting Taylor Hall is going to be so valuable for this team. I think it just it makes an impact both on and off the ice in such a way that I think he's going to learn how to be a true professional there with Connor Bedard. Cool, I like it. 
my number four is probably the most off the book number four that uh, I've ever had. Uh, but my number four is the Washington Capitals signing oft injured Max Pacioretty. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. I think that this move has the potential to, I mean, cap it wise, it's, you know, Basically, you're getting them for free. Uh, I think two million bucks. So, yeah, I think that Max Pacioretty. I mean, if he's healthy, he's ready to come back, and he can play at the level that he was at before. Even if it's slightly below that, I think he's still got the hands. He's going to be a great power play player for them, and I think provides a second option to Ovechkin with his shot. And I think he could have a huge impact on the Capitals' top six forwards. And uh, uh, they they really struggled to find any kind of balance and depth in their top six last year. Is why they missed the playoffs for the first time in uh, forever. And I think Max Pacioretty could be a sneaky solution to their problem. I love it. Max Pacioretty it. to the Caps. Um, I had Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Kings at three, so uh, we'll just, you know, we've already beat that to death, so uh, who do you have at number three? At number three, I hope it uh, I hope it made your list somewhere, but uh, Eric Carlson going to the Pittsburgh Penguins okay. yesterday is my number three. Yep, yep, it did make my list. It is, didn't okay. make it at number three, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what's not to say, right, anytime you get a 100-point player, um, it's obviously going to push the needle a little bit, right? And I think... Um, you know, again, the, the easy reason to say why it made my top three besides the 100 point and the, the Norris trophies and being such a impactful offensive player is just because um, Chris Letang, I mean, he, he does have an injury history, right? So um, from that perspective alone, you can say, good, now we have another legit top two defenseman that can easily slot in whenever Letang's injured, whenever he's, you know, not playing, um, you know, and not to mention that, but this trade alone essentially cost you a first and a second round pick. You get rid of two guys that were garbage on your team and you still managed to clear $3 million in cap space, which is just freaking incredible. So, yes. um, you know, for me that, that impact alone just on the cap space might've made my number three list, um, you know, made, could have made number three on this list just for that alone. So, um, yeah, it, it is my number one move for the, okay. Uh, I don't blame you. He's the the Hall of Fame player that was dealt. So uh, I I mean he's in my mind he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you just got him after his best offensive season ever, uh, best defensive off season, uh, best defenseman offensive season. I had to figure out how to say that uh, <laughs> since 1992. So that can't be overstated. That's freaking 30 years ago. Uh, he is phenomenal, and I think he will change the way this team plays and the fact that they were able to jettison Jeff Petrie, who it just wasn't working out. You know, they, they were able to get rid of Granlin and Ruda. I mean, and they keep their pick top 10 protected just in case this all goes to hell. But uh, for my money, I would say this is Kyle Dubas's best trade of his general manager career. I agree with you. He 100%. never made a trade like this for the Leafs. You yeah. <laughs> Always going out and giving a he gave up a first round pick for Nick Felino. <laughs> and he does this thirty oh, days after he becomes the Penn's GM. Ah, uh, that's genius. I, I love it. I love it just for that alone. But so the, the only reason <laughs> the only reason I didn't put this a little bit higher because I, I have my reservations about this because when he went to San Jose, right, they had Brent Burns, so they had a legit top two defenseman there already an offensive threat and that's Chris Letang yep. and so yep. he didn't produce really until Letang or until Burns left and went to Carolina so I did think about that too I thought yeah. about that too I I think that Letang though is just a different type of guy compared to Burns he like oh, much quieter you know not that he's not a leader in that dressing room but I I, I think he just goes about his business a little differently than Brent Burns no yeah, knock on I will Burns say, though, just, is, they're just different no no, no knock on Burns, but I will say the one difference is, you know, you've got Crosby and Malkin versus, uh, you know, Logan Couture and, and you know, <laughs> the rest too. of that group. So. That too. <laughs> now, his 100-point season, he was able to put up those kind of numbers because nobody gave a, a crap about winning at some point, and he was able to just kind of go ham. You know, hey, let's entertain people. So I don't expect him to put up another 100-point season, um, but I, I expect 
now after that move that Pittsburgh will and and the Riley Smith move, which can't be understated either. That those moves alone, barring decent health, I think the Penguins are back in the playoffs because it. of this move. I think he moves the needle that much. Uh, uh, I had that move at number one, which I suspect I know what. Well, I guess was that what your number three? That was my number three. So okay. I've got two two ahead of it. All right. Um, well, I'm going to say my number two. Well, should I say my number two? Because I'm sure it's one of yours. <laughs> um, it's in my top two. I'm sure it is. <laughs> my my uh, number two is Alex Debrinkit to the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. Understandable. Do you not? Is that on your list? It's in my top two. I'm not going to tell you where, okay. though. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez, is this not in his list? <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Um, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's my number two, I guess. Who's your number two? Let's, let's, let's figure out these lists first and then we'll. All right. All right. My, my number two is Tyler Bertuzzi to the Toronto. Oh, okay. You had that up there. All right. Wow. Okay. So you think that's going to be hugely impactful? Yeah. I think it's going to move the needle a little bit more than Eric Carlson will for Pittsburgh as far as the overall Pittsburgh. Yeah. As far as the overall pitcher is concerned. Right. So. Eric Carlson, I think, pushes them into the playoffs. However, Bertuzzi to Toronto, I think, pushes them into Stanley Cup contention. If not, they're a lock for that number one uh, seed in the division for sure now. Um, and it, to me, I just I look at how he played in Boston. Um, I think that's, you know, again, he's playing with, with Pasternak some of the time, right? Um, but now you, you've essentially got... Uh, not only a Pasternak and, and Matthew Marner, if you want to call it that, or Austin Matthews, but you've got another one of them too, right? In those guys, assuming he plays on that top line. But even if he doesn't, and he goes down to that second line with Tavares and Nylander, those guys are no slouches, no, you no. know, next to, to Pasternak either. So you've still got legit top six options. And I think Bertuzzi does so many other things that, you know, met, you know, that, that bunting and Zach Hyman didn't do right. He, to me, he's also a line driver, whereas I think those two guys wouldn't drive a line as much as Bertuzzi can. Okay, um, yeah. now, not to say that he's a Patrick Kane type line driver, but he can still drive a line. So even if you have to bump him down to the third line every once in a while to mix things up, he can still drive offense on that line, I think, in a way that you know no other option has ever done that for Toronto. So yeah, I'll definitely um, take him over uh, yeah, some, some previous options from, uh, from last, you know, previous years. So that's yeah, I mean, it, it's a great move for the Leafs. I, I definitely, I have no issues with the move, especially because it's, you know, it, again, it's so short term too that you're not worried about, you know, will he be able to stay healthy? You know, none of those conversations are are, are really coming into play. So uh, I think it's, it's just a, a good move for both people. You know, I think he's going to come in and he's going to be, hungry to try and go make himself some money and uh when the right. cap goes up too contract year and you look he was able to put up 70 points playing with lark and who in my opinion is a top 20 center in this league however matthews and, and Tavares are you know at least matthews is definitely heads and shoulders above lark and so you pair him with a guy like that i think i think you know bertuzzi can easily be a 35 80 point guy for yeah, sure i think he he is sort of the upgrade on alex kerfoot absolutely you know, if you lose Kerfoot, you gain Bertuzzi. That's a that's a win. Which, or maybe you see that as the Domi acquisition. But it's kind of why I lumped them all together. It's hard to hard to just talk about just one guy. Okay. Uh, but all right, so you've got that number two. Obviously, I know what your number one is then. Yes, it is Alex Debrinket. Okay, you think Alex Debrinket will have the greatest impact on his team out of any off off season moves? Is this bias <laughs> um a little bit but if you look at like what detroit has needed over the last few years right they've been clamoring for a goal scorer right they needed a star goal scorer on this team and i think they finally got that right they didn't go out and they didn't get you know a matthews or a, a mcdavid type guy but they got a guy who can easily put up 40 and 40 right he could be an 80 point guy again um, you know, especially playing on the wing with with Dylan Larkin and, you, you know, being in your hometown, yep. um, the city you grew up in, right, the team you idolized growing up. I mean, it's just it's easy to see how he could have a, a giant impact, 
immediately on this team. And it's it's something that this team has needed, similar to like Boston, right? Desperately right now, I think they're going to to look at you know look at this offseason and say, shit, we should have gone after a top six centerman. They're going to desperately want that come trade deadline time. I think this is what a team like Detroit has desperately needed in a scoring yeah. winger. So they got yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah, they were they have no scoring wingers. Let's be honest. They have no scoring wingers. Like pure yeah, goal Lucas, scoring wingers. Raymond might turn into that someday, but he's not yeah. there yet. He in in my mind, he's still that like twenty ish goals kind of player. And we'll see if he can develop into that thirty forty. But I, I don't know that he ever is becomes as good as Alex Debrinkit. And uh it always makes me mad that the Leafs didn't draft Debrinkit when they could have. <laughs> I can't remember. I think they drafted. I think it was Justin Hall actually, in in that draft that they um, drafted instead. We'll have to go and look. Yeah, now you definitely have to yeah, look have for to sure. Because that was <laughs> the 2016 draft. Yep, they drafted him 39th overall, and the Leafs took. Oh no, sorry, <laughs> the Leafs took Yeager Korshkov. Oh, so yeah, everybody yeah. knows that name. Yep. Yep, and I remember being like, um, "I hope the Leafs take." And uh, there was a lot of people that were like, "I hope they take." Uh, you know, I hope they take him. I hope they take Alex Debrinket. And of course, they go you know totally off board and take that guy. So could have had Debrinket. Um, could have had Carter Hart too. Could have had Carter. Would have been the goaltending issues. Yep, <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh dear. Um, all right, and then of course my number one is Eric Carlson. So that that rounds out our top ten offseason moves. Uh, in terms of impact to their teams, it'll be exciting to see you know how this all comes together. Watch these guys in camp, which we are just over a month away from training camp. And uh, until then, we're just going to keep on chugging out some top ten lists. And uh, I, I don't. Do you have a Do you have a top ten list in mind that we should do for our next show? I do. If you want to, if you want to be so kind as to indulge me, yeah, let's do top ten overrated players. Top ten overrated players. I love it. Uh, is this all time this last year like coming into this year let's go current nhl players current nhl Active. players most yeah. overrated current nhl players tune in for that uh next week for our show until then enjoy the summer and we will talk to you guys soon you can find us on twitter at ot hockey talk have a great day